pray. Father, we are grateful. We are thankful to you. We thank you that you are not only the God of heaven, but you are the God of earth, that there's nothing too hard for you, that you are a very present help in time of trouble. I thank you in this house today, we hear from heaven, that there is an open doorway to heaven that is completely wide open to us, that we receive all that you intend for us. I bind every force of the enemy, every demonic assignment in this house upon our ears, upon our mouths, upon our attitudes that would hinder us from receiving. So, Father, we thank you that we are receptive vessels, hearing and leaning on the Spirit of the Most High, receiving all that you have for us today. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it. And everybody in agreement said, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Pastor Jerry, in the intro, reminded us last week of what he shared about the presence of God and how important it is to get in the presence of God, to live in the presence of God, and exactly how we do that. We talked about how we get in the presence of God, praising and thanking God and rejoicing and small talk. Remember that? Communing with small talk, you talk to God. Um, but one of the things I want to do today is to let us know that the presence of God is not an encounter. You encounter presence, but the presence of God is not an encounter. The presence of God is a place. When you are um, coming into God, there is a place. We know in John 14, chapter 3, Jesus says, and a lot of times we use this passage of scripture when there's a funeral, but he says he goes to prepare a place for us. Now, I understand that in heaven, there is a place built for just you. There is truly a place built for you when you go to heaven. But I need you to understand this today. We need to understand that in the spirit of God, there is also a place for us while we're living on the earth. God has a place for us in the spirit. And the word place means a portion of space marked off. A, a portion of space marked off. So in the spirit of God, there is a portion or space marked off with your name on it that you're to inhabit. Okay? It also means that it's marked off from other surroundings, a separated place. And in God, in his presence, there is a separated place for you. Now, what happens is sometimes we get lost in the whole philosophy of natural place that we can feel, see, and touch. But remember, the unseen realm, as Pastor said, is as real as the natural realm. And that one initiates action in the other that causes a result in the other. So we initiate an action toward the spirit realm, toward drawing near to God. And when we draw near to God, God draws near to us and affects our natural realm. Okay? So we have these places of the spirit. There's places in the spirit for us to abide in, dwell in. And it's a space marked off. Uh, uh, a spot that separates you. So what we have here today is a place. Come on. 
Be a little more excited about this prop. It took faster an hour to build this thing, okay? Be excited about this, okay? We have a place. And this place is in his presence. Okay? In his presence. So this place or this space that separates all other places and spaces. When I'm in this place, I'm separated from everything else out here. When I'm in this place. And this is place is called the presence of God. Oh, you guys did a beautiful job. The presence of God. Here's the place. The presence of God. And there's different names the word calls this. But what we need to understand is, um, if you look at Psalm 1611, it says, in his presence, not out here, in here, there's fullness of joy. In here, there's pleasures forevermore. Not out here. In here. In here, there's joy. Not out here. Inside here, there's joy and there's pleasures forevermore. So with that thought, is it better to be in here or better to be out here? In here. Not hard, is it? In here, in his presence is fullness of joy. Amen? All right. We got lots of territory to cover. We're going to do it. So what we know is his presence is not an encounter. You can encounter his presence. Open the door. I had an encounter. But we're talking about moving in. Moving in, not just an encounter. So his presence, this place of his presence is not an encounter. It's a place. It's a place to abide in. Last week, Pastor Jerry shared another one with us that he said the presence of God is like the place called Eden. Do you remember when he said that? And each letter in the Hebrew language signifies something. And I have a hard time getting this definition. He has to get tired of giving it to me. I asked him for it yesterday three times. Yeah. So I finally wrote it down last night. Eden is a momentary spot where his presence is an open door to heaven. So what happens then? This place called his presence, which the word also calls Eden, is a place where access to heaven is achieved where I have access to heaven, all right? It's in this place. And when it says a momentary spot, it's not referring to there's only a short time and it can happen, but it means it's in this spot, then it'll, this, this whole place will move to another spot, and then it'll move to another spot. So it's not, Eden is not a place we have to go to in the earth. It's a place that we dwell in in the spirit. Okay, you're not going to go over to Turkey and find Eden like you want, okay? Because it's not there. It's a hiding place in the Spirit of God, all right? So we have the presence of God, which is not an encounter but a place. We have Eden. He referred to these two last week. And Eden is not a historical site. It instead 
is a place that we connect to heaven. So his presence is where the joy is, and Eden is where the heavenly connection is made. And so we get into this place by having living contact, is what Pastor shared with us last week. A living contact where there's heart, where there's enthusiasm, where there's excitement. I want to be here instead of out here. I want to be here where the fullness of joy, where the openness to heaven is, instead of out here. Hallelujah. Are you following along with me? Okay. So this presence is also referred to, let's go to Psalms 31, verse 20. Hallelujah. A lot of you probably know this one. But it's also called the secret place. It says, you shall hide them, talking about us people, in the secret place of your presence. So the secret place is also the place of his presence. Okay? The secret place of your presence. Why is he hiding them there? He's hiding them from the plots of man, and you keep us secretly in a pavilion from the strife of tongues. So what it's telling me is in this place, the plots of man can't touch me. When I'm in this place, what evil they've intended against me can't touch me. It doesn't even say the plots of the devil. It could be the devil inspiring man. But in this place, I am hidden away from the plots of men. Right? I'm hidden away from the plots of men. They can't find me. Where did Trudy go? Hidden from the plots of men and from the strife of tongues. Sometimes there's all this going on. This is what we need to do. In the secret place. I'm in the secret place. And when I'm in the secret place, all of that can't touch me. Can't touch me. So not only do I have joy, not only do I have an open doorway to heaven, but I've got security and safety in here. Hallelujah. Let's go on to Psalms 91.1. Very good, yeah, very easy passage of scripture. He who dwells in that secret place of the Most High abides under the shadow of the Almighty. So what we know is this secret place has got a covering over it, and it's the shadow of the Most High. Well, if something is casting a shadow because there's substance there that's casting that shadow. So when I'm in this place, God is watching over me. God is casting his shadow over me in this place. Not in this place, in this place. Are we, are we getting this? Okay. Is this too elementary? I'm not trying to talk us down. I'm trying to talk us up. Okay. All right. And Jesus even said in Matthew 6, he says, when you pray, go into your room or your place, and then it talks about the secret place. When you go in, shut your door, pray to the Father, and the Father, because he's overshadowing you, is seeing you, and he rewards you openly. Hallelujah. Isn't that right? Yeah. 
It's that secret place. And this secret place in God is not a futuristic fantasy, like only something one day we achieve when we get to heaven. But this secret place is a place that we have access to right now. Because when you get to heaven, there is not going to be plots of men and strife of tongues. All right? So this secret place has to be a place that's on the earth because it's here that I'm dealing with the plots of men and the strife of tongues. Would you agree with that? But when I'm in this place, it doesn't touch me. Amen? Hallelujah. So this secret place is not a futuristic fantasy. It is a place for us to dwell in, to live in. Amen? Hallelujah. Then there's another one. Hallelujah. It's praise God to have good son-in-laws to help you, isn't it? Another phrase they use to describe it is called the kingdom. The kingdom of God. If we go to John chapter 3, verse 5, Hallelujah. Jesus answered and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So now I'm understanding that this place I want to go to has some qualifying to get there. It has some qualifying. It says, unless I'm born of the water and the Spirit, I cannot come into this place. And this is in the passage of Scripture when Nicodemus has asked Jesus, and he basically gives him the message of being born again. You have to be born again. Before you can come into this place of dwelling in Eden, living in that presence, hiding in that secret place, you have to be born again. Because if you're not born again, you don't even have a way to get in here. If you are not born again, the door is closed. You can't get in. So the first thing we have to understand is to get in this place, we have to be born again. Amen? And then it says in Colossians 1.13, when we are born again, he delivers us from the power of darkness, which is everything that's outside of that place. And it says he translates or conveys, or let me say it this way, in the spirit, he transports you into the kingdom. When you're born again, he takes you out of this whole realm of just natural things, of obstacles, opposition, strife of tongues, plots of man, evil intent, and he puts you into this place. Okay, then it becomes our job to maintain our existence in this place. The opportunity is there. The availability is there. Hallelujah. And we have to get there. Amen. All right. It says in Matthew 9, 35, that Jesus went around and he preached the gospel or the good news of the kingdom. So what that tells me is what Jesus' ministry was primarily about was informing people of what it's like to live in there. 
He was constantly pointing to people to say, well, if you're in the kingdom, this is what happens. When you're merciful, you get mercy. When you're kind, kindness comes back to you. When you're friendly, friends come to you. And he's telling them how much better it is live in there, live in the kingdom, live in the place where God has got you. And then it says he went around he, uh, preaching and healing because there's no sickness and disease in here. There is no sickness and disease in here. There is no sickness and disease in here. In fact, I have noticed that when you, we're suffering under infirmity, the more time we spend in here, the weaker that infirmity gets. Amen? And Jesus kept telling people, dwell in the kingdom. Live in the kingdom. This is how it works in the kingdom. Well, what is a kingdom? A kingdom is where a particular one has rule and uh, authority. And if this is the kingdom of God, that means in this place right here, God is ruling and reigning. I'm not ruling and reigning in this kingdom. God is ruling and reigning. When I want to start ruling and reigning, what happens is I'm in my kingdom. It's miserable, but I'm in my kingdom. I got to get back over here where God is king. Because in this kingdom is where God is king and all goodness and all grace, all power is available to me in this place where he's king, where he's calling the shots, where he's the one that's given me the orders, where he's given me the instructions, where he's given me the insight. It's in this place where the kingdom is, is only where God is king. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. And he says, though, to us in Matthew 16, well, I know we got a lot of scripture. Hallelujah. It's good to go to have the Bible when you're in Bible class, right? In Matthew 16, 19, he says, I'll give you the keys of this kingdom. The keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Meaning this, you can bind anything from happening in this place if it's bound in heaven. You can loose anything into this place as long as it's loosed in heaven. So that tells me in this kingdom, the things of earth that are not in heaven are not allowed here. If it's not in heaven, it's not permitted here because he's given me the key. Here's the key. If it's not in heaven, it doesn't belong in the kingdom. If it's in heaven, it belongs in this place. That's the key. The key for our existence in the kingdom is understanding that it's only heavenly things that belong in this space. Amen? Hallelujah. It's the keys of the kingdom. And he tells us also into Matthew 6, He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. So everything... That's outside this that looks like success, that looks like it's pleasurable, that looks like it's right, that looks like it's healthy. He said, if you'll just seek getting in the kingdom, everything everyone out there is looking for 
is going to come into here for you. Don't go out here after it. Go after this place and it will come to you. Don't look, don't, don't jump that out of that place in pursuit of something over there. Go after this place and what's over there, he'll bring it to you right here. God wants to serve you as you want to serve him. Amen? Hallelujah. So let's look at one more scripture about the kingdom. The kingdom in Romans 14, 17 gives us an understanding. The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. It's not natural things. But the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's a place. It's a place in the Spirit. In this place is where righteousness, peace, and joy are. Not out here in the kingdom. There's righteousness, peace, and joy. Amen? Hallelujah. So the kingdom of God is not an ideal of where everything's right. The kingdom of God is a place where God is king. It's not just an ideal of how good things could be, but it's a place where all things indeed are good. Amen? Hallelujah. The kingdom of God. So we have this place called the secret place, the kingdom of God, the presence of God, Eden. Hallelujah. Let's go to another one here. Let's go to Jude chapter 1, verse 20. It says, But you, beloved, building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keeping yourselves in the love of God. In the love of God. So now what we understand, that this place is a place called love. Hallelujah. It's a place called love, which makes perfect sense. Because if it's in his presence, in his spirit, God is love. So I can't be in this place without being in love. Amen. I can't be there without being in love. Out here, I'm tempted to not be so loving. Out here, I'm tempted to not be so lovable. But in here, it's perfect love. In here, it's perfect love. The key about perfect love, it casts out all fear. Hallelujah. So it says here in um, Ephesians 5, in verse 1, it says, Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love. So what he's asking me to do is be existing in this place. My moving about in life. Maintain in this place. Maintain in this place. This walk in love. Why is that so important? Because if we look at 1 Corinthians 13, verse number 8, it says, love never fails. So if I am in this place, I have the ability to never fail. That is way beyond our mental comprehension. Because we're so aware of our failings and our shortcomings. But in love. Now think about this for a moment. Jesus never failed. 
And we want to say he never failed because he was God. And I understand that. There's a truth to that. But the reason he never failed is he never got out of a love walk. He never left a love walk. And remember when he said the enemy's coming, he's got nothing in me? Because he was in perfectly encapsulated, immersed, and walking in love constantly, the enemy could never get a hold of him. In fact, it said, I have to lay my life down. I have to lay my life down. If Jesus wouldn't have laid his life down, he'd probably still be alive on the earth today because the enemy had nothing on him, right? But he is alive today in you and me, right? Hallelujah. So, if we, and if we look back at 1 Corinthians 13, starting verse 14, it tells us what we're like when we're living in this place. It says, if you're living in love, you suffer long, that you are kind, you don't envy, you don't parade yourself, you're not puffed up, you don't behave rudely, you don't seek our, your own, you're, we're not provoked, we think no evil, we do not rejoice in iniquity, we rejoice in the truth, that we bear all things, believe all things, we hope all things, we endure all things, we never fail. That all happens when we're in here. So then we got this, this a little hint. If I'm being rude, I'm not in there. If I'm all arrogant and puffed up, I'm not in there. If I'm all stressed out, I'm not in there. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Because this is a place of never failing. This is a place of habitation of never falling short. It's a place. Amen? Hallelujah. So love of God is not an emotion. The love of God is a place to dwell in. And why is this all so important? Why is, it all, why is this all necessary? Because this, what we move into moves into us. Whatever we go into a place, that place gets into us. Hallelujah. You can go down to a honky-tonk, and the honky-tonk will get in you. You understand? You can go to church, and the church will get in you. You can go to a family reunion, and the family thing gets in you. You understand what I'm saying? Because where we go, it gets on us. Amen? And that's why it becomes so important. So um, let's look at something um, to validate this. In 2 Peter chapter 2, are you doing okay? Going too long? Okay. 2 Peter chapter 2, and I just want to pull something out here. And it's talking about the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. When Sodom and Gomorrah were completely destroyed. And it says, talking about here, that they delivered righteous lot who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. Okay, so what we have, Sodom and Gomorrah are corrupt and dark, but we have Lot living there. Now, I want you to know there in verse 7, it still called him righteous Lot. He was still righteous Lot, even in the midst of Sodom and Gomorrah. And then it goes on in verse 8. It says, for that righteous man... Dwelling among them, tormented 
his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. So Lot may have not been living in here. He was living out here as a righteous man. That tells me we as believers don't necessarily always live in here if we don't make a choice to live in here. If we do not seek this first, we will still be a person saved living out here. But what happens to us, then we get tormented by everything that's going around us because in our inner man, we know we belong in that kind of lifestyle and yet we're experiencing this kind of lifestyle. And that's what the word calls torment. Hallelujah. And God still delivered him out here, but yet he could have been living in here and been more of what Abraham was living than what Lot was living. Amen? He was still saved, but oppressed. So that tells me I have to intently... As a righteous man or woman, I have to intently purpose to live in here. It's not automatic just because I'm saved. Otherwise, there'd be no need to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Amen? Hallelujah. And this yesterday was something the Spirit of the Lord dropped in my heart. He said, grace, grace, which is divine influence. And what happened to Lot was the influence of what was going in Sodom and Gomorrah got on him. You remember, and you maybe you need to go back and read it, but when the angels came to Lot to take him and his family out, that the corruption of the city pressed against those angels because they looked as in flesh and bone because they were there for a purpose. And he was willing to give his virgin daughters to the men outside that were pressing in to get to the angels. Now, most men I know wouldn't be willing to give their virgin daughters to a crowd and a mob of sexually driven men. But that's what Lot was willing to do because living out here became an influence on him. He knew what they wanted. He knew what they were after. And he was willing to give of his own household. Now you can consider that, well, that's a huge sacrifice. But there's something perverted about that. There's something askew about that. All right? So um, Lot was living under an influence. So if we know that grace is divine influence and it's reflection on our life, we have to understand that grace has something to do with us living in that place. So this is the definition he gave me yesterday. Grace is his ability to keep us in this place. Because grace is divine influence from heaven. And what divine influence from heaven is always going to do is help us to stay in this place. Grace is going to be pressing on me, stay in the love of God. Stay under the kingdom of God. Stay in the presence of God. Stay in that place. And that's what's going to happen. Grace is going to press on me to stay in this place. And that what mercy is, 
is mercy is what comes on me if I step out of that place. So I accept the mercy, but that reason grace and mercy are always coupled together because mercy is going to forgive me for getting out of that place, but grace is going to drive me back to it then. The mercy and grace of God operating in our life. We probably don't even know how many times we depend and rely on the mercy of God. Amen? So grace is his ability to keep us and move us into this place. And mercy is the covering for us whenever we get out of that place. Okay? There's one more thing we're going to talk about. This place is called in the spirit. Now, I have one, one scripture and one analogy and we're ready to go. All right? So it says in Galatians 5, Verse 25, if we live in the spirit, let's also walk in the spirit. So then what we have is I'm living in this place. I live in this place. I live in this place called Eden where there's an open door. I live in the presence of God. I live in the spirit. I live in the kingdom. I live in this love. But then he said, if you live in it, walk in it. So then what do you do? Any place I go, I take it. Any place I go, I take it. I'm not only living in here, but I'm walking in here. I'm falling apart back there. Because I not only live in this spirit, I walk in this spirit. The word of God tells me, walk in love. Okay? So I got to conduct life. Well, you're going to have to move in that realm of the presence of God, wherever you go, you're going to have to keep yourself in the love of God. And what happens if I get out of it? There's the mercy of God to cover me and the grace to influence me. Get back in there. And then I can go about still conducting my life and moving about because not only do I live in there, I walk in there. Amen. And wherever the spirit of the Lord needs me to do and takes me, I can take my box with me in every place I've got to go. Because the presence of God is not a physical place. It's a place that my heart lives and dwells in. Amen? Hallelujah. Did you get something here today? Thanks for listening. If you'd like to watch the video of this message, head over to vimeo.com forward slash victory or go to Jerry Roberts Ministry on Roku. For more information about who we are and what we do here at Order Victory, check out the website at wovictory.org. That's wovictory.org. See you there.